Well, thank you. My name is Bob Barnes. I have the privilege of being in your pulpit. I want to say something beforehand, though. I I actually have the privilege of being in probably 40 different churches a year because no one will have me permanently. And and, uh, Ryan, that was one of the greatest times of praise I've been in this year. Thank you for that. That was absolutely awesome. You're like Broward County's James Taylor, aren't you? Kind of. Yeah. I was in uh, undergraduate and graduate school in Knoxville in, at the University of Tennessee and uh, had left home while I was in high school, actually. My mom died of cancer and uh, whatever happened with my dad and I was weird and I just left home and it was going to school in, in Knoxville. And while I was there, my dad moved from Washington, D.C. down here. And uh, partway through graduate school, I get, uh, I'm made aware of the fact that my younger brother, my only sibling, is down here and he's, he's in trouble down here. And he was 20 years old. And so uh, I very, very, very begrudgingly leave graduate school, although I was very short on money, and uh, to come down here to hunt for my brother and, and stay for a while just to help him. I meant to stay for a while. Uh, this was 1971, before half this room was born. And uh, I uh, got down here and found my brother working at a place on the beach called The Button. Uh, and I'm very sorry that you even know what that is, those of you. Yeah, the Button's an old, be- old club on the beach. My brother was the bouncer. And uh, usually in church, you don't admit to knowing about those kinds of places. But I got him out of there and got an apartment behind Sears Town and uh, uh, decided to stay for a year and help him put life back together. It was a low point for me. What am I doing? What am I doing with my life? But I knew I was supposed to do this. But wow, I was starving. And I got a job with uh, a bank that used to be called the Bank of Commerce up on Federal and Oakland Park. I'm a psych major. I know nothing about banking. I knew to carry a briefcase to work every day because everybody else did. Basically had my lunch in my briefcase. And uh, that's a fact. And uh, decided this is not the job for me. And I know I'm going to need to stay longer than a year to help Stephen put his life back together. And so I get a job with the state of Florida. And with the state of Florida, I'm, uh, the juvenile courts give me a kid to find, and I go find the kid and do a write-up and decide where he should go. And I found this little house, this broken-down house in Hollywood uh, called Sheridan House. And uh, I stuffed it with kids. And finally, it got to 12 kids that were all mine. And uh, it was a disaster there. And they were going under, and they'd been up in five years, and they'd been through five uh, different directors in five years, and they were about ready to close the doors. And for some reason, a friend said, you need to apply for this job. And uh, I didn't want to apply for the job. I didn't want to stay here. This is not where I belong. I don't belong in South Florida. And uh, I really don't know why I did. I applied for the job, and then I got kind of juiced about the job, and they turned me down, which I, I really, really respond well to rejection. Uh, and so I kept going back and saying, you don't have anybody else. You don't have anybody. Give me the job. You don't have anybody else. And it was run by, by a Baptist church called Sheridan Hills Baptist Church at that time, and I was a member of Coral Ridge at that time. And so they couldn't figure out how to let a Presbyterian actually work in a Baptist organization, and, and they caved. And they gave me the job where I've been for the past 37 years, and it's changed my life. But it was during a dark time. It was during a difficult time. It was during a searching time. I don't know where you're at right now. I know if you're not in a difficult time, you will be. I know there's a, there's a theology out there that says if you're doing all the things you need to be doing, life will be great. I don't know what planet they're from. This is planet Earth here, and we're all dealing with life, and life is very challenging, and we're not in heaven yet. And as Christians, we would love to make it heaven, but we're not in heaven yet. 
And so we are going to deal with challenges, but it's the challenges that form us. It's the challenges that God uses and permits to make us who we, who we are. We were led in some music today, and listen to some of the words I was writing them down. In the darkness you shine, out of the ashes you rise. Our God is healer, awesome in power. And if our God is for us, then who can ever stop us? That's actually a verse in Romans. If God is for you, who can ever be against you? We say all these things. No power in hell, nor scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. We say those things, and you often wonder if God's listening to us say those things to him and go, wow, listen to you. Why don't you believe it? Maybe you should just sit down and be quiet because you're kind of lying right now. We say these things and we come into this locker room, and it's always safe in the locker room. It's the, This is the locker room. That's, that's the life. That's the ministry. That's the worship. That's where you lay your life out, whether you trust him or not. We're going to look at that today. We're going to look at a guy who life was going great, and then bam, something very unusual took place. And, and we get to see a little bit of his fear in, in one just one half of a verse. And I'm so grateful they put that in there. And then where you go, what you do with difficulty, what you do when you lose your job, what you do when your house is in foreclosure, what you do if you have my personality and none of that's happening, but I think it's going to happen. Or, if, or the problem is when life's going too well, it's scary. Something's going to happen. Life's going too well right now. And so what do you do when the difficulties take place? when a marriage is in trouble, when one of your kids is in trouble, when something beyond your ability and control is taking place, how do you deal with it? Now, if you have a Bible, we're looking at 2 Chronicles 20, and you also have an outline that we're going to work through. And Father, as we open your word and begin to do this, would you do better? I can't teach this. I'm still in this, in this war, in this struggle. And so, Father, Holy Spirit, would you teach this from my mouth so that we'd all hear it? Me too. I want to hear you teach today, Lord. These are sinful lips. I want, I want to hear you. So would you take over and, and talk into the ears of our hearts, and we will just give you the credit and just give you the glory. And I lift this prayer in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Second Chronicles 20, verse 1, begins like this. After this, the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meunites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Jehoshaphat's the king of Judah. After this refers to what had gone on the years before. The years before when Jehoshaphat became king, he absolutely cleaned house. Got rid of all the, the judges that were taking bribes. He changed all the priests out there to be actually doing what priests are supposed to be. He really came in and cleaned house. And he's kind of in glide time now. And then all of a sudden, these three kingdoms, either one of which could destroy Judah. These three kingdoms come together, and they've got their eyes on the goal of the temple and the goal in Judah, and they're coming after him. So after all this great time, all of a sudden, this man is in huge, huge trouble as a leader. And look at verse 2. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you. Now, I mean, there's something wrong with that word. They're coming against us. But we see a great picture of leadership here. And a great picture of, and everyone in this room is called to be a leader. No one is called to be a follower. Everyone is called to be a leader. And no one is a born leader. There are many people born obnoxious and aggressive. That doesn't make them a leader. We are all called to lead, starting with leading ourselves. I've got to lead me. And as I lead me, then I can lead other people. We're all called to be leaders. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom and from beyond the sea. And behold, they are at En Gedi now. 
Just finished reading the book last night, Decision Point by, by W, by George W. Bush. If you're looking for a great read, it's a little bit of a defense of his presidency, but a great read. I'd forgotten all the things that happened while he was president and how instantly out of the box we've got 9-11 and all these other things and the economy and, and how, wow, how because he was the leader, he's the one that got pounded. Same here. Number one on your outline. Responsibility can be very lonely, especially during hard times. Victory has many fathers. Defeat is an orphan. When you're involved in a defeat, man, no one wants to take credit with you if you're the leader. When you're involved in a win, the whole team got the win. It's one of the most astounding things. And you're a leader in business or a leader anywhere. When things are rolling, wow, everybody wants to be near you. Everybody wants to hear about it. When not... When you're in a hard time, when you're in a difficulty, it's like people think it's contagious and they back away. For Jehoshaphat, we're going to see a very interesting scenario on how he first deals with fear of this circumstance that's beyond his control and then gets past it quickly. It's all an issue of focus. When the economy has attacked you, when there's no jobs out there, when your house is in trouble, someone's sick. It's all an issue of focus. There's a verse that takes captive, says, take captive every thought. The problem is at 9.30 at night, I'm driving up from Miami, and all of a sudden you just get overwhelmed. Wow, this is getting hard. It's just getting hard out there. Wow. And you've got to take captive every thought. This is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it, the Bible says. It doesn't say this is the day the Lord has made, and he downloaded me exactly what's going to happen to me today doesn't say that. I just need to be grateful for the fact this is the day the Lord's made for me. It. My father knows about this, and he is my father. Listen to his response to this news. Verse 3, then Jehoshaphat was afraid. And I'm so grateful it says that. I'm so grateful it doesn't glaze over it. As Christians, we act like we're supposed to be absolutely on top with our A game all the time. How you doing? Oh, awesome. Praise God. What is with that? We never actually admit, wow, it's been a little bit tough. Pray for me if you think about me. There's there's a guy in the church where I'm the interim right now. When you see him in the lobby and you ask him, hey, how you doing? Fantastic. Every single Sunday morning he said fantastic. I just want to put his lights out once and see if he's still fantastic. How can you be fantastic? It's like you're taking a drug or you're faking it. No, I'm so grateful for the privilege of then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. I don't know how long the and word lasts, from afraid to a focus, from afraid to a focus, but it is your natural reaction, letter A. It's natural to react in your own strength. It's natural to get some bad news and not say, oh, praise God. That's just not natural. It's natural initially to have your heart get gripped and get required and know that I've got to get a focus here. I've got to refocus. I've got to refocus. Letter B, our first reaction to difficulty is usually fear. It's usually fear. What am I going to do? What's going to happen? Letter C, fear strangles us when we choose the wrong focus. Fear strangles what we could be doing. It strangles us. It absolutely strangles us. When we focus on the problem, not the answer. I hear you, Bob, but I don't know what the answer is in some of these things I'm dealing with. Well, letter D should be fear. Fear, instead of fuss, fear strangles the whole process of progress. Because I get locked up. I get terrified and locked up. 
So to be a leader, and it's got to start with the leader of me, I've got to lead me first. Number two, a true leader turns from reacting in fear to responding with the right focus. I'll either react in fear and walk around terrified, and what am I going to do, and I'm not going to make it, and this is going to be horrible, or I'm going to take captive every thought and start responding, not reacting, responding, responding. I've got to get control of me. Letter number three, fear must not grip you. Choose to let God carry you. And that is a choice, and it sounds so in church. But something is going to emotionally carry me. Either this emotion of fear is going to carry me, and I'm going to make decisions by fear, or I'm going to choose, you know what, you're there, I know you're there. I know last night when I was driving home, and I was exhausted, Lord, and life has gotten a little tougher, and I know I said while I was driving because I was having my talk with you, and I said, are you there? I'd just like to know if you're there, are you there? Are you there? You know what's amazing? He's always there. And there actually sometimes he lets you see that he's there. When we were building the new 60-acre children's campus on Flamingo Road, we had one home totally funded, and at the last minute, the uh, foundation that was going to fund it pulled out. And they're up in West Palm Beach, and they pulled out, as I was the interim in the church up there in West, at First Baptist West Palm Beach, and they pulled out, and they pulled out, and the lady who was in charge of the foundation walked out of a church service and says, this music is so loud, you're, you're ruining my ears and you're ruining our church, and just walked out while I was in the lobby meeting people for the next service. And then I got a call that Monday, the, the $750,000 grant has been canceled. I got in my car and I drove up to the foundation office just to talk. Just talk, whoa, can we talk? I couldn't get past any of the layers of people to get to her. And I pulled out after about an hour of trying to get in, and I was driving down 995 and I was totally discouraged. And I actually said to God, I could use a little help. I could just use a little help. This is so discouraging, Lord. I could use a little help. And there's this car on I-95 going the speed limit. (laughs) And I'm trying to get around it. And as I'm looking at the car, trying to get around, it's this big white van with a mom in it. And I look, and it's got one of the Sheridan House license plates. State of Florida gave us a license plate called the Family Values License Plate. And I'm looking at it. I know the angels are saying to God, is he going to miss this? He's going to miss this. He's so irritated. He's going to miss this. It's a miracle they have a license plate. He's going to miss this. And about seven or eight months later, an elderly gentleman, the man who first built 595, Bob Elmore, came to me and said, I'd like to give a gift to Sheridan House before I die so I can see it. What would you do with a million dollars? But I wasted six months angry and agonizing because the verse that I've claimed and stamped on my heart is, I can do all things through me who strengthens me. (laughs) And God was saying, really, son, we need to reel this one back a little bit and teach you. But fear can grip you when you get a bad health report when your marriage is a little scary, when you don't know what you're going to do with your finances, it can grip you. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and, Jehoshaphat was afraid and, set his face to seek the Lord and to proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. 
That's the action. He's taking a refocus action. I know we got this problem out here, and I know it's not going to go away, and we're not ignoring it, but we do need to come back to the one who can't. We can't beat them. We can't beat any one of them, let alone three of those armies coming at us. So we all need to come back together, and as we come back together and refocus, we need to know what we're doing. And he, he gives the verse, and you know this verse. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. The mandate is to trust in the Lord with all your heart, and the warning is lean not to your own understanding. The mandate, choose to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. When a problem comes, what are we going to do about this? We're in serious trouble. I don't know how we're going to... Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, there are things we need to do in life, and there are step-up times that we need to accept responsibility for things, but when the overwhelming thing that we can't take on, it's bigger than us, we need to trust Him with all our heart and lean not, lean not, lean not to your own understanding. Here's the problem with that. You've got to re-up that every day. That's not a Sunday thing, and maybe small group. Hey, I'm doing Sunday and small group. If I came to this big gathering once a week with my wife and we considered it date night, and we considered it, this is our intimacy, we come all here together, it doesn't work like that. And then a small group with smaller people, we went out to eat with just with just a dozen people. It doesn't work like that. We've got to have our time of just talking. You've got to have your time of talking and listening and listening and reading and asking him, what do I do here? Show me what I do here. Letter A on your outline, it boils down to where you choose to hang your trust. And we've gotten confused in this culture because we've, we've bought hook, land, and sinker, the American dream. The American dream is to have all these things around us and buffer. All these buffers have enough and enough saved so that nothing can harm me. Letter B, the focus of your trust, the focus of your trust is a daily choice you have to make. A daily choice. There's a reason God didn't give Israel manna for the week. Every week, I want you to come through the big tent, and we're going to hand out manna for the week. It's daily manna. And it's a real picture of our daily manna from him, our daily time. You need a daily time. And I know someone wishes, hey, would you just do a seminar on the six steps to communicating with God? No, it's you. you got to find you. There are people that kneel. There are people that walk. I go for long drives in my car. And if somebody pulled up next to me pre-Bluetooth, they would have thought, what is he doing? He's talking to the steering wheel. That's just it for me. You've got to find your you. It's kind of like the marriage. Rosemary was up in the mountains with four other ladies. And uh, we just talk a lot. And every time I get on the phone, I call my wife. Get in the car, I call my wife every time. It's five or six times a day. And uh, a friend of mine whose wife was up there, a friend called and said, would you stop calling your wife? Because my wife calls and says, do you know how many times Bob Barnes calls his wife every day? Stop it, man. You're killing the rest of us. Stop calling her. And then the end of the phone call says, sometime we have to have lunch and you have to tell me what you talk about. That was the real question. How do you do that? Well, you work at it. You work at it. And all of a sudden, you're reading it and you're getting it and this is it. I get it. This is the answer. I just got it. And you study it and you develop an intimacy. But it's interesting Number four on your outline, tragedy will bring people together, but good leadership will bring people to the right focus. Tragedy does everything. Difficulty does everything. Difficulty squeezes you. Difficulty squeezes you. Success is a nice experience. Difficulty is the trainer. Success is just an experience. Difficulty trains you. It's not till you, the toothpaste tube gets squeezed till you find out what's inside. 
when you squeeze this tube called Bob. Verse 4 says this, And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. I'll bet they did. They're terrified, absolutely terrified. And verse 5 says, And Judah stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before all before before the new court. Yeah, tragedy will bring people together, but good leadership will bring people to the right focus. I think there's a there's a great picture here, letter A. When you don't know where to turn, start by going to church. Start by coming to church. When you don't know where to turn, I was speaking, Rosemary and I were speaking in Raleigh, North Carolina, doing a parenting seminar when 9-11 hit. We're supposed to be there all week, every night. And when 9-11 hit, uh, we spoke the night before, 9-11 hit, and the pastor came to the hotel and said, I, th- I think we need to not do a parenting seminar tonight. And I said, I think you're right. And he said, would you, would you do a city thing here? Would you, could we call the city together here and could you speak to him? And I said, I could. Um, can you tell me what to say? Not too sure what to say. And uh, we talked for a while, and then fortunately Rosemary was with me, who's the Bible scholar, and, and she's helping me process it. And, you know, we, we had four or 500 for the parenting. We had thousands for the night of 9-11. Tragedy does bring people together, but then we've got to get the right focus and bring them to the right place. Bring them here. Bring them to the right place. And look what happens in verse 6. And said, and this is Jehoshaphat praying, O Lord, God of our fathers, you are, are you not, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. You know, he's not reminding God, you know, excuse me, Lord, I mean, aren't you the same guy that got us here, that created everything? I don't know if you're in Bermuda right now, but we could use a little help. He's not reminding God. He's reminding all of them as they pray. That's how you open up the model prayer, the template prayer. It's not the, it's not the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer is in John 17. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not something you memorize. It's something you choose to believe. It's the template as you open up. He doesn't open up by text messaging God a quick prayer request. He opens up, Father, we know who you are. We know what you've done. You are our awesome, awesome Father. You let her be. When you don't know who to talk to, talk to God. Talk to God. Absolutely talk to God. Verse 7, Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Didn't you give us this? You gave us this. You did it for us. You brought us out of slavery. You gave us this. Let us see. Take time to remember who it is you're talking to. It's God. It's God. You've done all this stuff for us. We know we're talking to you. And we know what you've done, letter D. Review what God has done in the past. Review, rem, you know, we need to remember what he's done. We need to remember. This is God. This is what he's done. That's what I'm convinced Mary held on to while she's watching Jesus be crucified. It said back right after his birth and the angels and the shepherds, she said, and it said, and she pondered this in her heart, which basically means she stored it on the hard drive of her brain to draw on. I can't believe you've done this, Lord. I can't believe what the shepherds are telling me. I can't believe all these things that are taking place. When you're going through a difficult time, you've got to back up and you've got to make a personal choice. Be gripped by fear. 
or move forward, forward in faith. Number five, now it's time to make a personal choice. Reaffirm your commitment or run in confusion. Reaffirm your commitment or run in confusion. Because at the end of the day here, if I allow fear to grip me and I live by fear, I'm unusable. And I will miss what he created for me. I will miss it all. I've got to back up and say, okay, I'm reaffirming my commitment. I know my commitment is to you. I know who you are. I will not run in confusion. Verse 9 says this, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Then he goes on to evaluate the situation. And he's, as if he's telling God the situation, it's great, verse 10. And now behold, the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they have avoided and did not destroy. Lord, when you brought us out of Egypt, these, these three nations, you told us avoid them. Don't take them out. I mean, I don't want to question you. I mean, I'm just, we're just having a personal conversation in our prayer, but wow, now they're coming at us. Now they're coming at us. Verse 11, And behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Verse 12 says, Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? And here it is. Here's the statement of the problem. For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. There's so much in that. Our eyes are on the problem. Our eyes are on the fear. We're gripped by fear. Our eyes are on you. Yes, we're not ignoring this problem. Yes, this difficulty that you're dealing with right now. Yes, I'm aware of the difficulty, but I know who my father is. I absolutely know who my father is. Tuesday night before last, I was at probably the greatest memorial service I've ever been at in my life. And if you were watching the Heat game last week, you you saw they took a break for Rod Evans in the middle of the Heat game. Uh, to acknowledge the death of their chaplain, Rod Evans uh, was the chap- the heat of the chaplain for the the chaplain for the heat and the heat of the chaplain, and uh, he also was the number two uh, executive pastor at uh, Church by the Glades, and died at seventy three after a long battle with cancer. His uh, son-in-law is David Hughes, the pastor of Church by the Glades, and his daughter, Amy, works at Sheridan House with me. And Amy's a phenomenal vocalist. And as I went and sat uh, in the second row of this massive uh, 3,000 people uh, memorial service, Amy opened it up, grabbed the mic, and blasted, I know my Redeemer lives. And you could see in her singing that song, tears coming down her face as they're, as they're doing the memorial service for her daddy. Amy single, lives at home, her daddy, and she blasts, I know my Redeemer lives. And the place erupted to their feet, screaming and cheering. You could see the pain, but she's not focusing on the loss. She's focusing on, I know, I know who will make sense of this one day, because we're told, and I don't know how to do this, Lord, but we're told, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The only part of that verse is that your responsibility is the first three words, and we know. Causing all things to work together for good, that's God's job, totally and completely and absolutely. Oh, our God, we are powerless against this. Verse 13, meanwhile, all of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, and Jehaziel is a Levite, and he says this, 
And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Wow. Number five, now it's time to make a personal choice. Reaffirm your commitment or run in confusion. Letter A, you cannot defeat all of life's fears in your own strength. You just can't. Know that. You can't. There are times that we just have to let God, we, we can't let her be, but you don't have to. The battle's not yours, it's God's. The battle's not yours, it's God's. But when you hear that, and if I were there and he said that, the battle's not yours, it's the Lord's, I think I'm going to say to my wife then, okay, get the kids and pack the car, we're heading back. God's going to fight this battle. Just get the kids, pack the car, awesome, we're done here. God's going to go out and fight this battle. Listen, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged at this great horde, for the battle's not yours, but the Lord's. Number six on your outline. But you can't just sit back. You have to put your faith in action. You have to put your faith in action. That's what James said. Faith without works is dead. Your faith dies if you don't put it in action. you got to put it in action. I trust you. That's why I'm doing this. I trust you, Lord, in this economy. That's why I'm giving like this. I'm putting my faith in action. That's what Paul meant when he said, work out your salvation. When you come to Christ, your salvation is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. But you've got to work it out into your life. You've got to get out there and work it out. I've got to use my faith. I've got to spend my faith and then eat more manna the next morning. I'm back, Lord. I love verse 16. When we get to heaven, I want to see on the big screen the look on their faces. Because they've already been told, Don't, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the battle's not yours, it's the Lord's. And then verse 16, he goes on to say, tomorrow, go down against them. Wait a minute. If we don't have to fight, I think there's hands going up now. If we don't have to fight this battle, then why are we having to go down and fight? Wait a minute, can I ask a question? Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up from the ascent from the valley of Z's, is what this means. The ascent of Z's. I don't want to know where they're coming up. I don't even want to go there. You will find them at the end of the valley. No, I won't. You guys might. <laughs> East of the wilderness of Jeruel. Can't you just see him say, if the battle's not mine, why am I going out there? Because you know what? This is the faith builder. You're not going out to battle those people. You're going through life battling your fear and strengthening your faith. There are times in life when you have to decide. There are deciding moments where you've got to decide this is it. I've got to trust you. I've got to step forward and trust you. I've got to step forward in this economy and give like I've never given. I've got to step forward in this economy and take a stand. Defining moments. Verse 17, and I think he looked out over the people. Verse 17 says, you'll not have to fight this in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them. That's like an oxymoron. How do I how do I do that if I'm if I can't possibly beat them and you tell me to go against them but I won't have to fight this battle then why do I have to go against them for your faith you got to push on for your faith you got to suit up and show up for your faith tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you yeah you you can't just sit back you've got to put your faith in action letter A you have to force your faith to show up rather than sit back you've got to force your faith it's what that father said in the book of Mark. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. I know, I'm just discouraged. Help me not to doubt. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head and he prayed. And then we see the next morning. The next morning is great. Verse 20, and they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. Is that a great name for this? They went out into the Tekoa desert. It's perfect. There's nothing growing here. They'll surely be able to see our blood all over this desert. It's awesome. 
And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. See, I think as they're going out, he's looking at them. And I think they're walking along, dragging their swords. I believe, but we're going to die. I believe. This makes no sense. I believe, but this is, this is, this is really, really, really. I think there's just a great scene, and this great leader says, Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. Yeah, these are the defining moments. But some people don't continue on. I don't know how you're going to fix this, Lord. Amen. I don't know how you're going to fix this marriage. I'm in. How are you going to have to fix my finances? I'm still going out. I'm still looking for work. I'm st- I don't know how. And then all of a sudden, he turns to Ryan. It's such a cool moment here, verse 21. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever." So all of a sudden they turn to the praise and worship leader and they say, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get us singing. And they're saying, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And listen to what happens. The Bible says he, he inhabits the praise of his people. Listen to what happens. And when they began to sing and praise, I think first they're singing, then they're praising. I think they're jacking it up. When, verse 22, and when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. And here's exactly what happened. Two kingdoms decided they didn't need Mount Seir. Ammon and Moab decide, you know, any one of us can take this on and get all the spoils. We don't want to split it three ways. Let's split it two ways. And they take it on and they destroy Mount Seir. But all of a sudden, the, the, the leaders of Ammon and the leaders of Moab decide, you know what? We don't even need two. And they just, they'd start destroying each other. So we got, Judah, the army of Judah, this pathetic little army of Judah coming up and saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And maybe they're jacking it up and all of a sudden they're coming to the valley to overlook the cliff and they're hearing all this metal on metal and they have to be believing. These guys, they're so jacked. They're clinking their their shields and everything. We are so dead. But give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And then when they began to sing, this ambush takes place. Everybody's wiped out. Verse 24, when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. And can't you just imagine some of them saying, as they're coming to the edge, look, you look. I'm going to be in the back. Text me. This, this can't be good. This can't, all that noise down there can't be good. Yeah, and they go and they, wow, verse 25, when, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were there three days taking the spoil. It was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley and they stopped to praise God. They stopped to praise God. Let her be. Take time to give thanks to God. It helps you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We didn't do this. That's right. I didn't earn that big commission. That's right. God set that up. I didn't set this up. I didn't take care of that. Miami Herald came and asked, what, what is this 60-acre compound that you built? What, what would that cost? I said, if we had to pay cash, they listed it at $45 million. And they said, so in two years, $45 million worth of property and buildings. Yes. How did you do this? I have no clue. I wish I could tell you I knew. I have no clue. No clue, no clue, no clue. I just knew to ask. 
I had an old mentor named Charlie Coulter, and he kept telling me to ask. Ask, 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 ask. I just knew to ask. Just go out there and ask. And most of the time I'd ask, and I'd get it from someplace else. So I could never take credit for it. Your job is to suit up and show up as if you know he's real, you know he's watching, you know your father knows about what you're going through. And they stopped. And they returned to Jerusalem. And can you imagine the look on their wives' faces? Because their wives knew they were saying goodbye. It's an amazing scene. For the battle's not yours, but God's. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Hebrews 3.15, I will, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Number seven, when difficulty hits, you don't have to know what to do, but you do have to know who to trust. You do have to know who to trust. You do have to know who to trust. In the Lord with all your heart and don't get distracted. Don't lean to your own understanding. That is the warning. We have to choose to trust and choose to trust and suit up and show up. In this economy, we need to be the ones that are going out there in confidence. No one. W in his book closes it up, the book uh, Decision Points, awesome read, and says, and the, the rhetorical question, how did I get through this time? Every single morning I started with, this is the day you have made. No matter what the CIA tells me, no matter what I hear, no matter what the economy, no matter, I will rejoice and be glad, or I could have never gotten through it. This is the day. I've got to decide what do I trust, my health, my job, my marriage, my, my plan, me, or my commitment to you, Lord, commitment to you. I've got to believe and choose to believe and get up every morning and choose to believe. When difficulty hits, choose to believe. I've got to choose to have faith in you, Lord, and know whether I can see you or not and know that you are always there because it's a fact and you will never leave me or forsake me. Let me read this quick little anecdote on the Cherokee Indians and their rite of passage for their young men. Do you know the legend of the Cherokee Indian youth, youth's rite of passage? A boy's father takes him into the forest, blindfolds him, and leaves him alone. He is required to sit on a stump the whole night and not remove the blindfold until the rays of the morning sun shine through. He cannot cry out for help to anyone. Once he survives the night, he is a man. He cannot tell the other boys about this experience because each, each boy must come to, into manhood on his own. The boy is naturally terrified. He can hear all kinds of noises. Wild beasts must surely be all around him. Maybe even some human might come to harm him. The wind blows the grass and the earth and, and even shakes the stump of the tree, but he sits stoically, never removing the blindfold. It would be the only way he would become a man. Finally, after a horrific night, the sun appeared and he removed his blindfold. It was then and only then that he discovered that his father was sitting across from him on another stump. He had been at watch the entire night protecting his child. He didn't know it, but because he couldn't see it doesn't make it not true. Your father knows about this. If God is for us, what could ever be against us? I don't know what you're dealing with today. He does. I don't know what you're going to deal with tomorrow. He does. And he knows the plans he has for you. And if he's permitting you to go through difficulty, it's for you. It's to strengthen your faith. It's for you. It's for you. 
And he will take all the bad that people do and turn it into good. All things work together for good. Joseph says to his brothers, what you meant for harm, God made for good. He used it for my good. If God is for us, what can ever be against us? Let's pray.